How good was that? Richie Benno and his tonic food. That was awesome. I was wondering how he was so good. Dean, you'll be pleased to know, actually, I forgot to mention this in the first service. I was watching the football yesterday, AFL football in a stadium, and I heard this, what I thought was a booing noise, but actually it was a guy called Matthew Cruiser who received the ball, and they gave him the Cruiser. So I think it's taken off. It's a thing. Do you know who you told yesterday about that plan this morning? But they grabbed it, they stole it, they used it. But it is good to be here this morning. My name is uh, Ryan or Reverend Clune, if you've been reading the, the bulletin this morning. <laughs> I think that's the smartest thing I've ever been called in my life, so I'm claiming it. I'm taking the bulletin home. I'm going to put it in a frame <laughs> next to my computer where there should be some kind of degree or something, but it's going to be that. I'm going to hand it on to my son. He can hand it on to his son's son. It's going to be good. You know, we're this morning we are, are looking at the, the boomer generation and I just realized I already have something to be immediately grateful for. Uh, one of the things I've tried to do is uh, introduce my young son into some cultured music, uh, not just, you know, what he would hear today. And his favorite song at the moment, believe it or not, is Sweet Caroline. And I didn't know where that came from. His favorite bit is the bop, bop, bop. He loves it. And uh, every day on his way to, to, to uh, early learning here at Compass, he, uh, Dad, can we listen to Sweet Caroline? And we put it on and he belts it out. And uh, he loves it. So, boomers, I'm grateful uh, that I'm able to listen to some good music uh, with my son. But we are looking at the boomers today. And uh, just a few things to kind of point out from the time. I thought it would be cool as we were were looking this week at that era of life. Uh, Not just TV, but color TV. thought it was awesome. The cassettes. Anyone own a cassette? My first ever thing I brought was a casingle. It was Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer on casingle. Not cassette, but casingle. If it was a cassette, it would have been an album, but instead this thing was just living on a prayer over and over and over and over and over again. It was awesome. And uh, some uh, key people in the time, Gough Whitlam and Malcolm Fraser were our prime ministers throughout that time. There was some good music, not just Sweet Caroline, but I thought this morning I'd, I'd put us to the test a little bit and see what we know. Can we, uh, can we play a few of these tunes uh, by the Beatles firstly? We'll see if we can pick them up. Anyone know? Come on, Alan, I'm looking at you. I see that hand. Do you know what that is? Hey, Jude, yes. Not from a boomer. Well done. And uh, another one. Come together. Straight away, he's got it. Well done. The Beatles, massive influence in that time. And uh, I'm expecting that one of you two should know that. Yes. And uh, that's Elvis. We've got another one there. Hound Dog, very good. So Elvis, the Beatles, and uh, the other thing the boomers are going to be well and truly known for is uh, a booming population. They had a lot of kids, right? So uh, this stat coming out of America, 10 successive years, the number of births increased. In 1957, it peaked when more than 4.3 million children entered American society, American society in one time. That is crazy. Someone yelled out in the first service, we did our part. I wish he was here because it was funny, so I had to say it because it was funny. And uh, national anthem, in fact, in Australia, 1974 was voted uh, in out of a competition of songs that it should be our official song, and then that bounced between that and God Save the Queen. There was a bit of a battle between prime ministers at what should be played at the Olympics, and then eventually Advanced Australia Fair became our national anthem. But 74, uh, competition, who knew? Like, chuck it out there, see what comes back, Advanced Australia Fair. 
But today we're going to also look at uh, some of the attributes of the boomers as well. And I love uh, some of these that they, through the, the time they grew up, that they are ambitious, they are competitive, they are empowered, they are change favorable. Uh, some of the values that the boomers had, they, they valued influence, opportunity, uh, innovation, personal growth, success. And, you know, we'll see throughout this time that their experience has led them to be this way. And where we're kind of, the, the boomers kind of pick up where it's different, you know, they, they pick up from the builders. And I guess what sets them up as a, as a generation of people is that they are empowered. That, you know, all of uh, what had gone before them had left them set up uh, as an empowered people. To, they were encouraged to, you know, they've come out of time of war. They're encouraged to go and, and start families and, and kind of get jobs and, and, and begin to create a different life uh, to what the generation before them had experienced. And because of what the builders had been through and the generation, and the, I guess one of the things that, you know, stands out to me through this time is you can never take for granted the battles that the previous generation went through so that you can have what you have today. And I think a lot of this series uh, becomes about that, you know, and I was talking to someone after the service day and they're like, you know, was, uh, one of the battles that we kind of went through as boomers is we bought the guitar into the church. And I'm like, man, what? I thought the guitar was just always in church. Like, no, that was a big deal. I'm like, wow. Um, and, you know, you, you just don't realize, and that's why I love doing this kind of thing is you get to go through and see kind of what other generations have been through, what they've passed on, the things that we get today because of what others have, have been through before us. And so the, the builders, you know, left uh, this legacy of the boomers being able to be empowered. And so because of that and that overarching uh, empowerment that they have, there was kind of three uh, kind of things I wanted to point out. And there are many more, but three focuses this morning that I think uh, when you look at the generation of the boomers that uh, stands out so clearly, uh, values that they had and, and what they were able to do that we look at today as, as people in society and in the place we live uh, are valuable to us and we should pursue ourselves. But I think also through this as followers of Christ, there are things that we are called to do and called to be uh, through what Jesus uh, calls us to do and live that we see uh, in these values that I believe allow us to have uh, influence in our world. And if we, we did these things and we valued these things, it would go a long way uh, to having a, a great influence for Christ in the world around us. So we're going to have a, a look at these three things. And the, the first one is this, it's innovation. Turn to the person next to you, say innovation. Brilliant, I love that. You know, and, and innovation really is about creativity and embracing change. So, you know, to, to be innovative, to, to, to be uh, a people who are innovative, you need to be able to embrace change. And not just accept change. You know, one of the things that we can do in life is we can realize that we know change is going to happen. Change is all around us. Uh, it's, it's, it's a constant. It's a given. And you can choose to kind of embrace it or fight it. But the truth is we all kind of accept that it's going to happen. But we need to embrace change. And the boomers, they embraced change. I was reading this uh, story, a bit of a, an old kind of fashion story. And, and, this, and this guy is uh, with his wife and, and making dinner in the kitchen. And they're making a roast. And I imagine this is the kind of conversation that would happen in my house because uh, I am kitchen illiterate uh, when it comes to cooking. Not, I, can, I can clean up pretty good, but I'm uh, cooking illiterate. And uh, he sees his wife and she's, she's putting the roast in the oven. Before she puts it in the tray, she cuts the ends off the roast. And he's like, why are you doing that? Like, why cut, like what's important about cutting the ends off? And she said, I don't know, but my mum always did it. So, you know, she taught me how to make a great roast. And so I did it. And so he's like, I want to know. Like, I'm curious. So he rings his mother-in-law and says, What's going on with cutting the, the ends off the roast? Like, uh, I asked my wife, she does it. What's so important? What, is it, what value does it add to, you know, is it a, like your secret recipe? And she goes, oh, I don't really know. My mum always did it. And he's like, I can't let this go. So he rings, uh, you know, the, the grandmother and says, you look, I, I need to know something. Why do your daughters cut the ends off the roast? What's with the recipe of 
you know, the necessity of cutting the ends off. And she goes, oh, I don't know why they would do that. I did it because it was the only way the roast would fit in the tray and fit in my oven. <laughs> and, you know, th th this is the, the great reality. There are so many good things that are passed down to us in life. And so many things to learn, so many things to embrace. But what I, I love about this characteristic you see out of the boomers is there's this desire for change and innovation. You see it in the moon landing. You see it in the, in the fact that there was TV. And all of a sudden now, they have color TV. You, you see that the economy, they, they increase it and they make it boom and, and there's wealth and there are all these things that haven't been seen before. There are families growing everywhere because of the opportunity they have. They value innovation. And as followers of Christ, I believe that we should value innovation too. That it's not just stuck to one generation. This is one of the things I believe that gets passed down to us like a baton and we should run with it. Mark uh, 2, 21 uh, to 22 says this. It says, besides who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wineskins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. You know, this is a biblical principle that Jesus is speaking into. And uh, I remember experiencing this as a young uh, man. I bought a, a pair of jeans one time and they were quite nice jeans. They were a little bit expensive and so I, I really love them. And uh, you know, what happens with jeans sometimes is uh, they rip and uh, I'm not talking about today the kind of rips that we have in our jeans that are considered fashionable. I'm talking about inappropriate rips, right? So go with me here. So I, I gained this inappropriate rip uh, in, my, in my pants. I'm like devastated because I'm like, I love these jeans. And uh, someone goes, you know, you just go down to Kmart for like $2.95. You can buy this, this magic little patch thing and you stick it on and you iron it onto your pants and no one will know there's a rip. I'm like, this is genius. So I go to Kmart, buy the $2.95 patch. My mom helped me iron it on. And uh, happy Mother's Day, mom. And iron it on and I'm like, this is brood. I got these jeans and I went to youth that week and it was my week to, to kind of speak at youth. And I'm like, got my good jeans on, I'm feeling good. Uh, just beforehand, uh, you know, I'm running around with some kids, having a good time, and I experience this biblical principle. You don't put a patch, a new patch on an old patch, because what happens is the new patch removes itself from the old patch, leaving you with a larger and giant, more inappropriate rip than you started with. And, uh, you know, in, in church life, there's this saying that if uh, gaffer tape and cable ties can't fix it, it can't be fixed. Gaffer tape that day saved my pants, and so I had a, a less uh, new patch there and a, and a bigger hole, but... You know, the lighter side of that is that you can't always kind of just patch things over. It's not okay just to kind of hold on to, to value and tradition for the sake of it. I don't know, it's just the way it was always done. There is this call to innovation. And Jesus is talking to the, the people at this time in Mark, and he's saying, your traditions are beginning to kind of hold you back. This is a saying, talking about fasting. He's like, the way you're looking at it is much bigger than just fasting. The way you're looking at tradition in your life is you're just holding on to it too tightly. And it's actually beginning to block your understanding of who I am and what I'm trying to teach you and what I'm trying to do. And if we hold on to things sometimes too tightly, tradition, I just do this because it was the way it was always done. And we don't innovate and we don't create and we don't change. We can end up stuck where we are. There's this uh, part that I was reading about the scripture. It says this, it says, are we stifling new life by old forms? However beloved they may be to us, some forms we must have, but we have worked out new forms and they are suitable. You know, this is not to say that tradition is not a wonderful thing, and it is. And I, I love that we do this and we sing these songs and we have this great time together because there is so much to celebrate and pass on and so much of who we are. 
is caught up in who went before us. But we're not called to live in the same place as that. We're called to innovate and create and change and move forward. And you can see this, this principle that comes out, that the boomers were committed to not staying where they were, but moving forward and making the world a better place. You know, as followers of Christ, isn't that what we're called to be? People that innovate, create, change. Show people who Jesus is. That's the calling that's on our lives. And it should be a value that we hold onto. You know, another uh, a value that we, we see come out here, and, and, uh, and I've labeled this improvement. That the boomers were about improvement. They were ma- about making things better. You know, they, they, they wanted to be successful. Wanted to have success. Wanted to, to have life for them and their families that was good and successful. And you know, the way that, one of the ways that, the, the key ways to being successful, and you see this come through, is this idea of self-leadership. This idea of making yourself better. This idea of growing and stretching yourself. And we see this come out uh, so clearly here. And you know, one of the, the ways in life for me, I guess improvement is different to innovation, is that innovation isn't always kind of clean. It's not always perfect. It's often a bit rough around the edges because it's experimental and it's new and it doesn't always come out in its finished form. But improvement is about taking things and, and making them better. You know, we spoke about the TV before, color TV. You know, last night I was uh, relaxing as a, before I went to bed, and you know what, I was watching Netflix. And we have Netflix today because someone invented TV. And, and so, you know, we get this improved version. The, the reality is they were committed to being successful and making things better, but in making themselves better. One of the things I, I, I live through at the moment and have since kind of, uh, we, we started this campus a, a couple of years ago and came up here, and what that did was change my route to work. And uh, so I, I go a different way, and I was excited. It was against traffic, so I was like, beautiful, no more traffic. I'm a little bit of an impatient person, so waiting for two minutes at traffic lights upsets me. Uh, pray for me, I need help. But one of the things I discovered is the entire way to work was roadworks. So first it was the freeway finishing and at Hester, and then that was done. I was like, beautiful, no more roadworks. And then they're like, oh, we're going to double wide and one on a road. And uh, that's still happening now. And, uh, you know, it's almost done. I'm like, just jack up the speed limit. Come on, man, you're finished. Why is it still sick? Yeah, I see the nods. Come on. Anyone from the council here? No, I'm just joking. But I'm like, roadworks, ah, oh, and I'm like, they're done, they're almost done. And then I look the other day and there is a bulldozer on the corner of the main intersection at my street and they're building an overpass. And I'm like, come on. And I'm looking into it and I'm like, this is gonna save seven minutes off your journey in the next five years over the time that it's gonna like, cut out traffic. And there's people voting against the overpass. I'm like, why would you vote against the overpass? We want less traffic. And now I'm like, there is so much traffic. And kind of to illustrate this point, I went, uh, uh, there's a gym around the corner from my house, which I sometimes go. And uh, I guess I've been going a little bit more than uh, normal because uh, one of the personal trainers decided to talk to me. I think he thinks I needed help. And, you know, he's, he goes, where do you live? And I said, oh, tapping, uh, kind of around the corner. And he goes, do you walk to the gym? And I said, nah, drive, brother. It's quicker. And he said, you should walk. And I was like, don't judge me. Uh, he goes, you know, you'll get a bit of cardio in before. I'm like, I'm doing cardio now. Give me a break. The other day, it literally would have been faster to walk the two-minute drive from my house to the gym, but I drove anyway. And you know what I did the next day? I drove again because it was cold. And, but here's the reality is we all want things to be quick. We all want it to be right, but we want it to be quick. But the truth of what I'm learning about roadworks is when they're finished, it is so much better than it was before they started. But sometimes it's so painful in the middle. And sometimes it actually feels like it's never going to end. 
My son the other day goes, oh, what is with these cones? Geez, they're a pest. I'm like, oh man, I've been complaining about these cones on the road for way too long. I'm like, don't you say that. Improvement is good, you know. But the reality is it is sometimes painful and it sometimes takes a long time. It's not always easy. But you know what we see is there was this commitment to improvement. And you know, I believe that improvement starts on the inside of who we are. There's a character in the Bible, uh, his name is Solomon, and he's kind of, when it comes to being empowered and, and kind of having things handed over to him, he finds himself in this similar space to uh, some of what the boomers would have found themselves in. He's, his uh, dad was, you know, King David and, and fought all these wars, and he comes out and he enters as king as this time that's going to enter great prosperity. He's going to build a temple, he's going to innovate, he's going to do all these great things, and he has this conversation with God at the at, at a time, and, and God kind of asks him, he's like, what do you want, Solomon? Like, if I could give you anything, if I could help you, kind of, this is the Ryan paraphrase version, but what, like, what could I do for you? And Solomon replies in 2 Chronicles 1, he says this, he says, give me wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly. For who could possibly govern this great group of people, this great people of yours? God replies to Solomon, he says, because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you didn't ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge. I will certainly, sorry, I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested. But I also give you wealth, riches and fame, such as no other king has ever had before you or will ever have in the future. You know, Solomon in that moment could have been like, I just need as much money as I can get to get the job done. You know, if you could just get rid of my enemy so I have a clear run at it, that would be real helpful. I just want to be remembered. So if you could just make me famous, maybe my name will go on a bulletin. I'm just kidding. But he could have asked for anything, right? He could have said, give me anything at all. And he goes, you know what I want? I want knowledge and I want wisdom. Because without it, how? How could I do what I'm supposed to do? And God's like, you know what? I'm going to give you that and I'm going to give you the rest of it as well. And sets up Solomon to leave a legacy, to be able to do great things, to be a great leader. And you know, what you see through uh, this era of time of the boomers is that, you know, leadership became a, a quality that people chased after. That there was more, less about kind of just doing kind of what you needed to do and doing what you're being told, but this like classroom teamwork kind of mentality of growing and getting better at what you do and who you are because there was a desire for success. But realize success starts in here. There's this quote that comes from a great boomer actually, and it says this, it says, success is knowing your purpose in life growing to reach your maximum potential and sowing seeds that benefit others. And that's written by John Maxwell, who I, I remember you know, growing up and kind of being a young leader and people would quote Maxwell all over the place and there was like great PowerPoints with you know, like stuff that he had said and people would give me books. I'm like, man, this is good, but it's heavy. You know, I put it down like seven most, I can only remember two principles. You know. But I mean, there's all this stuff that was generated out of that time that still gets read and used today on this idea of going, I want to be better and I want to sow seeds for someone else. I want to find my purpose so I can be the best I can be and that's going to help me leave a legacy for those after me. What an amazing trait that if we're willing to go through the hard work of improvement, day in, day out, it doesn't, it's like roadworks, it doesn't end. It just moves on. To, you know, there's always some kind of improvement. There's always some part of us that could be better. There's always some part of us that if we committed to it, we could improve. And you know what? The success comes from improvement. It doesn't come from being the best. 
It comes from anchoring ourselves and going, I want to be more like Jesus. You know, as Christ followers, that's what we're called to be. More and more like Christ. To bring improvement to the world around us. We are called to be improvers of the world around us. And we do that through self-leadership. The, the last one today is, I try to make it start with an I and I couldn't, so I'm going to call it I dedicated, but really it's dedicated. And uh, there was this great level of attention to detail and hard work and excellence that, that became this trait that, you know, the, the boomers were incredibly hard working people, long hours, commitment to the job. They wanted it to be excellent. There's great attention to kind of detail. Some of the traits that come out of this are hard working, focused, resourceful, loving a discount. It's good. Team oriented, you know, not just doing it by myself, but doing it together. And there's this desire and this dedication in them to do what they're doing with the very best that they could. And I think as followers of Christ, it's great to be innovative. It's great to be able to create. It's great to to want to see and bring change. It's great to have a dedication to improving ourselves and the world around us, to be successful. You know, how we get that is through dedication, through being dedicated to, to what we do. You know, I had a holiday in, uh, in Melbourne just a, a couple of weeks ago and uh, we caught up with some friends who, who lived there and we were in this kind of back area of the city having breakfast and we kind of had a great breakfast and we are just walking down the street with our kids. It was, it was great and, and then I was walking and suddenly um, I thought there must have been like a cyclone coming or something because there were leaves just literally coming like everywhere through us and like getting in my daughter's pram and like, what is going on? I turn around, I'm like, is this normal? And he turns around, he's like, it's that guy. And what we found is on a Saturday morning that there was a, a team of people and their job must have been to clean the streets. And so they had a big street sweeper. And so this guy's job was to blow the leaves off the path onto the street for the street sweeper to kind of sweep it up. It's like kicking the dirt into the middle and then hitting it with the vacuum cleaner. That's the way I would see it. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, he's doing this. And I looked at him. He just didn't look real happy. Like, he, you know, wasn't chuffed with work on a Saturday morning. And rather than kind of blowing the leaves, like, diligently onto the road, for the street, he was just blowing them everywhere. And my mate's like, I'm like, you Melbournians are all right. Yeah, you know, like, he's like, this is terrible. Like, and when we got to the end of the street, it actually kind of ended up being more messy than probably what it was like at the beginning. Like at least the leaves were in like clustered piles where they had fallen. Now it's just like leaf city, like that everywhere. And kind of, I was just kind of struck in that moment by this bloke who kind of obviously is just doing his job and, and this is not like picking on this guy or anything. Like the reality is he's just doing his job, but he just wasn't loving it. Like there was no kind of joy in what he was doing. And this week I, I just saw this quote and it is actually about street sweeping. And if I had it, maybe I could have slipped it to him, but you know, I didn't, and maybe that would be rude anyway, but it, it says this from Martin Luther King. It says, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep the streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep the streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived the great street sweeper who did his job well. You know, when I look at those two pictures, one for me creates a picture of joy and a wow and that's incredible. And the other one kind of just paints this picture of maybe just being stuck. And I just think, it doesn't matter kind of where you find yourself in life, whether your job is like your dream job right now, or you, you're doing the job that you need to do, or you're at uni and that part of your course is the unit, you know, there's always those course, like courses in every degree. You're like, why do I have to do these ones? They're nothing to do with what I signed up for. But you've got to do them to get to the, the finish. Maybe you're at school and you're not doing your favorite set of subjects, so it's not your favorite. For all of us, there's always going to be things where you're like, ah, I don't love this part of my life. I wish I didn't have to do this. I wish... There wasn't this or not always like content and happy right now. But there is this picture painted for us of 
whatever we do, we work at it with the best of who we are. You know, this verse kind of came out last week in, in Colossians 3, and it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do. I love this bit. As though you were working for the Lord rather than people. You know, that kind of paints to me the same picture of joy that we hear in that quote from Martin Luther. That whatever it is that you're doing at that moment, whatever you're putting your hand to, wherever you find yourself, do it as if you're doing it for Jesus. Do it with the very best of who you are. There is just something about people when they do things with the very best of who they are, no matter how simple it might seem or how complicated it seems, it draws your attention to it. There's nothing better than going to a restaurant that has like a really friendly wait staff, is there? Like they're excited to see you, like I want to be in this place. Or you go somewhere like, yeah, you can sit over there. You're like, oh, cool, I feel happy. You know, like, I feel like I should be here. When there is dedication and attention to detail and people are working at things with the best of who they are, it brings joy to those around them. And it can be something like cleaning a street all the way through to whatever it is that you do. That if you do it with the very best of who you are, you're gonna show someone a glimpse of who Jesus is. Why? Because you're doing it as if you're doing it for him not for anyone else. You may not get appreciated. You know what? Jesus will appreciate it. We don't do things for the approval of man. We do them for, to serve Jesus. You know, to, to, to finish off, and I'll, I'll invite the, the band to, to come up and join us. We're going to take communion in a few moments' time. And, you know, one of the things that, just to, to kind of bring this together, we mentioned at the beginning this whole idea of empowerment. You know, the boomers were empowered people because of what had gone before them. You know, when we see these tables at the front, there's this representation of what I believe is empowerment. That Jesus lived, he came to this earth, he, he surrendered his life, he gave it for you, for me. So that as we heard even through some of those songs, that no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been through, you have forgiveness in your life. That Jesus takes it another step, I, I believe, out of just you're, you're forgiven, but also now you're empowered to make a difference. He's talking to his disciples in, in John 12, and he says this, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I love this picture of even greater. Not that we compare that sometimes and go, how could I do anything greater than what Jesus did? It's not about being better than Jesus. I used to look at that and go, oh, how could I ever be better than, how could I ever do anything better than what Jesus did? You know, I believe that even greater comes with each one of us are empowered to do what Jesus did, to go and influence and make a difference and innovate and change and be dedicated to our lives and see it change people all around the world. That they would hear His name, that they would know His forgiveness, that they would receive His empowerment. And that even greater comes because I do that and you do that. And Jesus goes and he, He's like, I'm gonna go now and I'm gonna send you and release you to do this. Which was confusing to these guys when they're hearing this. They're like, this is not the way it was meant to be. You know, the tradition of what they learned had the potential to break and block what Jesus was trying to say and do here. But he says, it's better that I go and you will do these amazing things. We live in a time of empowerment. Sometimes the world around us can seem like it's darker than it's ever been, but I believe it's we're more empowered than we have ever been to go and influence the world around us. And the table today is that representation of that.
And you know, the great thing is we just don't do that alone. Acts 1.8, you know, I love this verse. It says, you will receive power. Talking about empowerment. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, he doesn't say, I'm going now, on you, on you go. Remember the table and, and good luck. He says, no, you'll do even, even greater things. And I'm going to give you the power that you need to go and do it. It's his legacy that Jesus passes to us and says, go and do that. And today, we're going to, wait, in a few moments time, we're going to sing some more of these wonderful songs. But we're going to pause for a minute to take communion around the table together. And I think what a great time it is to reflect on who Jesus is, what he has done for you, what he has done for me. And with grateful hearts to receive those emblems that represent him laying down his life for us. But then to recognize and realize the empowerment that we have because of that moment. And because he releases us to go, go and do even greater things. Go and innovate. Go and change. Go and make things better in the places that you are. And as you're there, do it as if you're doing it for me. We're called and empowered to make this incredible difference in the world around us. That like the generations before that leave all these legacies, I believe we're called to leave this spiritual legacy in the world around us, which is pointing people to Jesus. So the, the keys are gonna play. I would love to just wrap up and pray for us in a moment, but as, the, as the, the keys are playing, you can come to the table, you can come with your family, you can come by yourself. You can pray together, you can sit and reflect. But with grateful hearts to take these emblems and realize what an incredible empowerment that you and I have because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. Jesus, we're so thankful for who you are, for all that you have done, that you gave your life for each one of us to empower us, to live forgiven, but also to tell others of your good news. And so as we take these emblems today, God, we take them with grateful hearts, joyful hearts, remembering who you are. Thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for your empowerment. When you feel ready, you can come around the table and take communion together.